He calmly steps up and takes control of his instrument. His left hand gently yet confidently supports the heavy wooden neck. His right hand deftly and with extreme dexterity controls the fingers that seem to be created for the express purpose of manipulating the thick heavy metal edge. It's the one that makes him who he is. The one that has his name spoken in hushed tones on the lips of every man and woman who call this great city their own. Every visitor from every corner of the world has permission to call themselves a New Orleanian. They only need love of good food, better drink, and the best people. Another way to find yourself to be card-carrying is to have an appreciation for the fine art of the music that takes its heart from the pain and anguish of the time and place it was needed most. The music, jazz. The place and time, the Deep South shortly after the Civil War. Born straight from the mind of the newly freed people, so elated to feel the cobblestone beneath their feet, the same feet that are now allowed to take them any place their hearts desire, yet never able to leave the binds of their memories, which stay to remind them of how life can be made to live as normalcy as atrocities are carried out without second thought and can make wealthy men out of monsters. As the master of his trade, this man can make emotions swell and almost, as if by mystical force, make bodies move, like puppets on strings or powerless in his wake. There's something deep down inside that doesn't belong to you. It's something on loan from the universe. It's something that connects you to everyone, from the first Cro-Mag who rhythmically beat shortened tree limbs against rocks and groove till the break of dawn, all the way down to the hippest hepcat fedora cock slightly askew, fingers lazily snapping as a lit cigarette dangerously dangles from his lips. What I'm trying to say here is that jazz music is like magic. It comes from something special to then make something that's truly special. The man mentioned here can exist as one of two men in New Orleans circa 1918. If you only want for good times, he's the sharpest upright bassist that everyone knows by the warm groove that pours forth from his F-holes, laid down to be the strongest foundation for a home of wonder. Or the other, less palpable option, the one that silently comes in the night, no less a master with his instrument, no less able to control your heart and mind. His instrument, though, is a sharpened, heavy-headed axe. His duet requires an unwilling participant, and in the spirit of jazz, a willingness to improvise. The Axeman of New Orleans was and still is a complete mystery, a villain tailor-made for the time and place he visited with dread. He is, quite simply put, Jack the Ripper of the town that I call home, the boogeyman whose name stalked the streets where Chris and I shaped the personalities that fundamentally make us who we are. Strumming my pain with his fingers Singing my life with his words Killing me softly with his song Killing me softly with his song Telling my whole life with his words Killing me softly with his song I'm Jason Rambo, the cute one. And I'm Chris Barrios. And you're listening to the very first episode of See No, Hear No, Speak No. UFOs, conspiracies, murder. And this is the story of the Axeman of New Orleans. All right. And blah, 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 blah. There's stuff going on. And three, two, one, start. What's up, Chris? How you doing? 
Pretty good, Jason. Hanging in, you know, enjoying, uh, uh, well, I guess it's Friday. My days all yes. run in together, but, you know. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're, you're, you're not joking, man. I don't have a real job, so I, I can't tell what day it is. But we're doing... Uh-huh. <clears throat> yeah, let me choke at the very beginning of the very first episode. I'll just choke to death. You can put that out and get rich off that. <clears throat> yeah, you're not so, supposed to breathe and swallow at the same time. I, I 34 think that's, years old. Should have learned that. I think that's one of those tricks they, they also teach uh, women who are trying to practice to be a better... Uh, okay, yeah. <clears throat> you know well, what I mean, I'm getting at. You, you know, men men can do that too. Don't, don't hate. So... <laughs> Uh, so today we're talking about uh, the story of the Axeman in New Orleans. Uh, Chris and I are both uh, New Orleanian natives. Uh, I, I am still in area while Chris is a, uh, he's a nomad. He travels the country in search for gold and heads to hang from the front of his fucking Mack truck. But I still, and, and uh, I shouldn't say but, I should say and... Jason, and I still, no matter where I am, even sitting here in the fucking bumfuck Woodburn, Kentucky right now, uh, I still hoot at any Absolutely. chance I get. Any chance Even I get. though we we lost our very first playoff game against the Browns last night, but it was not as bad a travesty as it could have been. I wish I had all. an opportunity to have watched. I, I can't watch live TV while I'm out here, but, you know, I, I still rep hard. Indeed, indeedy do, man. All right, so let's get right into this shit. Uh, we're going to kind of play a little loose and fast with the first episode just because we're still going to be figuring shit out. We'll probably still be doing this on the 100th episode. But uh, <laughs> so far, we are going to start you off with a little bit of ambiance, a little bit of world building. And Chris is going to let you know what kind of news was going on in the, the country and the world at the time where our piece of shit murderer was stalking the streets. Yeah, you know, it, it was an interesting time. 1918 and 1919 are years where times were rough, crazy shit was happening. You know, it, it was something that we can't even put our minds in that frame to understand, really. You know, we speak English. Absolutely. It was a completely different world at the time, and you know, there's no two ways about it. And you'll hear me say this a, a ton of times, I'm sure. We understand things because we speak English, but not because we we actually can relate in any way. And that's really what understanding is all about, is whether or not you can exactly. relate. You know? We can read the history, but that doesn't mean we can feel what people back then were feeling. And... and and hopefully the stories we tell will help, you know, get people in touch a little bit better with, uh, with their history. Oh, exactly. And, and that's really what it did for me. I, I mean, why else would I ever um, research the world history of 1918, 1919? You know, it, it, gives me, it gave me a reason to learn some pretty interesting shit. And I hope uh, all of our listeners find it just as interesting as I did because it, it's pretty cool stuff that was going on. So, All right, man, what you got for us? Well, we had uh, World War One, like I said, you know, and, and of course with that comes tons of atrocities and political shit from uh, countries gaining their republichood, you know, tons of them, you know, Slovakia, Czechoslovakia, all kinds of com- countries that were breaking away from their main um, 
land, I suppose you, you could say, uh, all the way to thousands being slaughtered for all kinds of war-based reasons. I mean, it was, it was everywhere, you know, it was basically all of Europe and Russia and fucking everything that was happening. So, you know, you had, you had shit from, uh, the failed assassination attempt of Vladimir Lenin in Russia to Woodrow Wilson turning around being awarded the no the Nobel Peace Prize, you know. <laughs> I mean, interesting shit. You you had you had Congress passing the Nineteenth Amendment, which is actually really cool uh, because that's the one that guarantees all women the right to vote. Um, Absolutely. You know, uh, yay yay for the women's. Uh, Absolutely. And and then on the same type of uh, yay for the women's, you got uh, the U.S. born Lady Astor being elected the first female member of British Parliament, which I thought was a you, pretty cool, yeah. you know... Uh, yeah, that, that, I mean, if we're going to take the world over, we might as well start with, with England, and uh, we may as well start with a, a lady. It makes the, the blow a little bit less. I mean, we're still working on it, but, you know, maybe in 100 years, uh, we'll have two ladies there, and, uh, you know, we'll show them what the fuck's what. Right. Happen. We're happen. still working on it in this country, and, and I hope we, we get the, the message you know, one of these days, because, you know, it's not like ladies can't do anything that we can do. So, um, okay, so we also had, here's here's something cool, we also had uh, the Red Baron uh, that was claiming his 79th and 80th kill in mid-air fucking dogfights, you know, which is amazing to me, because the technology was cool for the time, I mean, it's way past the Wright Brothers, but, oh yeah, man... What, what kind of balls and trust do you have to have for things? I know, right? To have a dog fly a doghouse and take down World War II one fighters. I mean, it's just... Man. It, I mean, I don't think we'd let it happen today, but, you know, I'm glad that it happened. You know, and that's all I need to say about that. <laughs> so the same year, when he claimed 79 and 80, uh, a French guy took him out, blasted him right out of the sky. So, you know, he got his. Um, and then you had... Hitler being awarded the Iron Cross, which we will not go into. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll be mentioning him once or twice on our show. Um, but he's, uh, you know, he's he's a little dick, piece of shit. But he's uh, he's a part of history, just like anybody else, and he deserves to have me shit on him just a little more. Sure, so, sure, yeah. sure. But, but yeah, but he, this is still he was World he War was I. just mini 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 Hitler, mini uh, mini Nazi Hitler right there. So. Right at the time, and so he got the Iron Cross for bravery, uh, as recommended by his, ironically enough, Jewish supervisor. Um, <laughs> yeah. So strange. <laughs> so strange. And it's all just of that, the break there. I love it. <laughs> and all of that, we had all of that shit going on on top of the Sedition Act, which was the one that, that stated um, during wartime, or, or I didn't catch if it was during wartime or if it was just period, uh, right. that it, was, it made it uh, talking shit about the government an imprisonable offense. You know, Absolutely, so. and which is what China has, and which Russia claims to not have, but has. Sure. It, it's 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 punishing people with uh, different ideas uh, as criminal uh, instead of having uh, you know a, a national you know discussion about the discourse going on, which is uh, terrifying and just seems like something that could easily be not far off in our future. Uh, so it's very poignant that you bring that up because. Uh, yeah, you can see how it affected the world and what happened and why we got rid of it when we did. Oh, yes. 
Oh, yes. And, oh, oh, here's the best. At the very end of 1919, uh, Prohibition started. Uh, Yay! Yeah, so... (laughs) So Man. So it was just a good time, is what you're saying. It was, shit it was, was Party happening. Town, USA. The shit was happening. Was... But but that's really that's really most of the bad stuff. We had some good stuff too. We had good stuff. So so let me let me give the pros. We had okay, go uh, for it. A, another lady being awesome, Margaret Owen, who actually set the world record for typing hundred and seventy words a minute, which to me is like some robot shit. Like that's Oh yeah. That's amazing. I got maybe twelve. Uh, I got I, maybe twelve. Who other than like Twista or Tech Nine can even speak a hundred words a minute, fluently, clearly enough for anybody oh. to to type the shit. So that's amazing. And, and then you also had Robert Ripley, who uh, was starting his Believe It or Not column in the New York Globe at the same time. Uh, I don't believe it. No, we all know. I no, I just no. Mm-mm. See, we all know. No, no, yeah. Get, just continue. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> say I disagree. That's always been pretty awesome. He's got some cool shit on in that column, and uh, uh, so on the wacky end, then we got uh, everything from the U.S. naval boat Cyclops uh, being uh, disappearing in the Bermuda Triangle, which I mean, you know, that's been happening for a long time. We There's might actually... have to hit on that uh, specifically in a, in another episode because because uh, that sounds like fun. And I I truthfully thought you were about to say you know, and now in wacky news. We had the U.S. Uh, Cyclops. Uh, can you believe a fucking boat was named Cyclops? And <laughs> I was wondering but, about that too. <laughs> yeah, but I love it. I love it. And for that one to go, yeah. That now I'm never gonna forget that. The yeah. Let's yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool, you know. So uh, oh, well, absolutely. Here's a fun one. We had uh, a flood of two million gallons of molasses that drowned 21 in Boston. I've I've heard uh, of that history channel some some shit years and years ago, which is insane. That blows insane. my mind. It really it does. Killed twenty one people. Twenty one molasses in molasses. It's it's like it's like uh it's thicker than nonset jello. Absolutely. It, it, it's 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 being chased down by glue and losing. <laughs> that mucilage always had a, a sort of sweet smell to it, didn't it? I, yes, I was never did it not. I was never a glue eater personally, but you know, you can't help but to smell things that are right, you know. I, I mean, hey, who doesn't love you're, taking you're a big well. huff of gas every once in a while? Right. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, well, yeah. We'll go on. Maybe we'll a sniff on, in we'll the air. Okay, okay. So, so more interesting deaths. You had several volcanoes erupting all over the world that claimed well over five thousand people, uh, and the Spanish flu had started, and then made its way to the to the U.S. in a very very short time, and claimed twenty one thousand in one week. Wow. That that will be somewhat shocking when uh, I tell you what the population of the U.S. was at the time for twenty one thousand in a week to disappear from Spanish flu. That is serious. That's a chunk of the U.S. population straight off. Like that's crazy. And Chris, are you telling me that the world ended because all this bad stuff happened all at once? Oh like, no, no. That's what happened, right? No, no, no. no. We kept going oh. because you hmm. know then in the good old New Orleans, French Quarter, and surrounding beautiful Crescent City that uh, that we love so much, we had this fucking guy running around. Yes, we did. 
It's it's a badge. It's something to be proud of. I mean, if that's how people want to take it, I guess that is their prerogative. However, he uh, what what were the numbers? Uh, you you did all the research on that one. What were the numbers he, he claimed? Six. He I think? killed six to seven and injured six to seven. My goodness. It, there there's some speculation about some other stuff, but we'll get into that. Now that but yeah, man, took him a little uh, over a year. It was about a year and a half, right? Yeah. Which you know, Jet, I've I've I haven't been able to kill six or seven people in a year. Much less maim six or seven more. You know, I mean, either I've got to try harder, or this guy was just good at what he did. That so. could be. That could be. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming so because he was. Um, was he ever caught? I don't knew, and we will get more into that as well. My goodness! Well, thank you for for the news of the day, man. We got to get you like a like some intro music with like, <laughs> you know, like a spinning globe and shit. And uh, we're going to do it, man. We're going to do it up good. <clears throat> we're going to do it up good. All right. And here's another little opening uh, thing that we're going to be trying out here. It's, uh, it's called the Cost of Everyday Bullshit Corner. Yeah. And this is where I tell you how much stuff used to cost back when. This will, so, give, this in, will give the layman an idea of how shitty it was to ex- live at exactly. that time. Exactly. So... Uh, back in 1918, 1919, like like uh, Chris said, President Will- Woodrow Wilson was in office, and here's why that that 21,000 number really shocked me at first is that the population of the U.S. at the time was only 106 million, 21,537, 106 million people in the entire country, and 21,000 dropped dead in a week. That's insane numbers. That is mind-blowing to me. It It really, really is. So, yeah, you you have to get, like, like the biggest major death toll for whatever year we're on for every week so we can see just, like, how big a chunk shit takes out because I love it. All right, and then uh, minimum wage is something I kind of wanted to uh, to talk about here, which in 1918-19, technically there was no minimum wage, Uh, but that's technically... Uh, there was no federal law that existed for minimum wage, but in 1918, uh, D.C. passed a law setting a, mem- a minimum wage for women and children laborers that uh, would guarantee them, at like for an exa- for an example here, um, we have uh, $16.50 a week pay if you worked in the food industry, or like 15 bucks a week if you work doing laundry. So and, and that, that was a lot. That at gave the time, them a guarantee. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean that that would be I. The, the little uh, wage calculator thing doesn't go back quite that far. Oh, man. But it, it, it seems that, uh, I mean, that would have been, you know, uh, three, four hundred bucks a week, which My if goodness. you had a husband that also had a career or something like that, you know, you, you could absolutely live on that. You know, so things are getting better in that time period. This is kind of right when it started because, I mean, you know, pestilence, wars, plagues, volcanoes end of the world but you know baby steps baby steps we're getting there right to vote that lady could type super fucking fast oh you know we're getting we're getting there she was set she had a career for life and 15 bucks a week god damn you that's not even a dub like indeed it's not how do you ask your weed man for for like two dollars worth of weed because you only make 15 dollars in a whole week and you still gotta feed your family and you know that 
You ask him on your knees that, in a very, very kind voice. Beautiful, beautiful wife of yours, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you don't you don't mention her to him though, because then. So, we have the uh, the national uh, average annual income, which today is what like uh, twenty five, thirty grand, something like that, around there. Uh, in depends on in nineteen eighteen, uh, ex- exactly. In. But you know <laughs> the national average. So okay. uh, back back then it was. $1,144, which, seeing what the minimum wage was for, you know, a whole week, that does make sense as far as that. Yeah, but here's where it starts out. to get really interesting, all right? We have the uh, the average cost of a home is $4,821. Wow. The So, you would have to work a little over five years without eating, clothing yourself, living anywhere else just to afford your first home. Um, then we th- this is super fun because these now if you had one of these at this price back then you would ridiculously by by leaps and bounds have so much more money for it today we have the price of an automobile this is the one that i'm gonna have you guess at oh. in 1918 how much do you think an automobile cost uh, a horseless carriage well i mean if a house cost about four four or five grand at the time i'm gonna right. guess a car would cost uh an automobile would cost 800 bucks Ooh, close super close but 500 bucks 500 bucks. 500 bucks half a grand car My goodness. done that's it right I could and then you right know now. we yeah, exactly. And then we get into the price of a postage stamp, which is three cents, which, I mean, you know, that's stamps. Stamps are cheap, whatever. True. But gallon of milk. Gallon of milk, 55 cents. Wow. Loaf of bread. That's actually more expensive than I expected. Yeah, me too. The, the milk was, like, kind of shocking. But loaf of bread, 10 cents. Not bad. No. Nah. And then this one's a kicker, too. Price of a gallon of gasoline, eight cents. Eight cents. I wonder what a pack of smokes cost. At that time. They were free. They just, yeah, but you had to be under 13, and <laughs> you had to go to a doctor to get them. So, yeah, <clears throat> but free. So, so that's the cost of everyday bullshit corner. We'll, uh, we'll uh, do a bit more of that for every show, and that'll be fun, man. That's yeah. crazy. So, so if you wanted to be a cool guy like everybody else, you could just pick up smokes or, or chewing tobacco or whatever the, wow, just free. That's right. Well, you know, I mean, the, the, the eight cents for the, the gallon of gas actually came with a carton of smokes and a bottle of liquid morphine. But <laughs> but you had to prove you had to prove that your baby had a cough first. OK. And then and then you were good to go. You were good to go. Well, I mean, that was all right. Difficult. So they were dropping left and right. <laughs> That's right. All right. So, I mean, uh, let's jump right into our uh, dickhead of the day, who is the Axeman of New Orleans. Oh, I can't um, wait. I did. I did quite a bit of research on this guy, and um, we're gonna go through. Since we have no idea who he was, we have very, very vague uh, speculation. But there's absolutely nothing concrete because this dude somehow, once you hear what he did to some of these people and the circumstances under it, somehow was a ghost. Um, he 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 just disappeared. Like people would see him doing something. He would run past them, and they'd be like, I don't fucking know. How does that happen? 
How? Hey. I, we'll, we'll, find, we'll find out. It's so, New Orleans. That, I'm sure yeah. despite all the police <laughs> and conspiracy theories, you'll have all kinds of other fun theories to add to that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, the X-Men, he was a serial killer that was active in New Orleans. And uh, also, Gretna, oddly enough, which uh, Gretna... Uh, New Orleans is on the east bank of the Mississippi River, and Gretna is on the west bank of the Mississippi River. So, uh, once you get to the bottom of the Mississippi, it doesn't go straight down into the Gulf. It takes, like, a weird, like, U-turn left. So the east bank is under, and the west bank is above. But anyway, so he, he, he kind of did a little bit of both. Um, huh. And he, he started from around May in 1918 through October of 1919. I wonder what made uh, him cross that bridge i mean that's a good little ways you know yeah and that's that's another thing car how the hell are you right well uh, he didn't have a car but everyone just had time back then too we didn't have tvs they didn't have the internet they didn't have phones it was it was jack it was jacking off and walking and that's what it. that bridge all was at do. that time like it couldn't i mean you know it wasn't as sophisticated so man I can only imagine yeah. how long it was. I mean, it, there had him. to be some little throw. Yeah, exactly. But, so, uh, he was never, ever, ever identified. Ever. Uh, in, once he was at his peak, there was some speculation that say that he may have started murdering people as early as 1911. Ooh. But, uh, those, those speculations have been, like, super called into question as, eh, probably not. But there's the chance that this dude had been killing for, for seven years before they found his first, like, clear M.O. That's a um, decent run. I mean, for, right. for any serial killer, any killer of any kind to get away with, with you know, I mean, granted, forensics exactly. wasn't nearly as intense as it was as it is now, but still, seven years And if he had run. the numbers, you know, in, in a year, he mm-hmm. had six or seven, just, just imagine, you know? Uh, not saying that's an average, but who no well knows? What a scary bastard! But, uh, exactly. Uh, so he had six to seven confirmed kills, and uh, like I said, as well as six to seven uh, confirmed injuries um, that we can absolutely attribute to him. Uh, he's certainly not the most prolific serial killer, but with the mystery that surrounds him, uh, you know, this dark ethos just stands as a, you know a shining example of proper new orleans psychopathy yeah i mean it is it's it's unique in its own way he didn't of which we I mean, have he, plenty he hunted <laughs> he hunted people in their own homes he didn't trick people he didn't come up with a story like ted bundy he didn't get them high like john gacy he went in and killed and that's what's kind of unique about him is he almost didn't have a reason he had an mo mm-hmm. but he didn't have anything to stand behind it um well i mean if you've ever lived in new orleans and i don't just mean you know uh, spent uh, spent some significant time at least visited enough times to really get to know the city uh it's not difficult to to believe that there are tons of sociopaths and just complete nut bars running around absolutely. that city and why they might actually have turned out that way because uh absolutely you but know. you know a, a large chunk of those sociopaths and nut bars are still uh, not gonna kill you yeah you know that's what I mean? true that's like that's we, very we true. do 
it, there, there's a mentality down here that I, I haven't experienced anywhere else I've lived, and I've lived many other places, uh, and well, not super many, but far apart mm-hmm. from each other. So I've got a, a good cross section of of where we live, and other places, it's almost like they have an identity, and New Orleans is. Every identity yeah. is its identity. Yeah. There's there's no <clears throat> there's no type here. There's everyone and everything is who they are and that's the type. When anywhere else there's redneck truck drivers or there's biker people or there's uh you know uh preppy football people <clears throat> and it's I, I you know I'm I'm over generalizing of course there's you know subsets of people within there but of course it, but the stereotypes the only other never place fail. that I exactly the only other place that I could think that has the same kind of melting pot feel would have to be New York because people showed up there first when they got here mm-hmm. and you know grew up these families there but here everyone came from anywhere else in the US and that's why I say in the opening is you can be anyone from every anywhere and still be a true New Orleanian I've known people from Wisconsin New York uh, just wherever that that were more at home here than anywhere else, and I have no problem letting them say that this is their home. You know that actually makes me proud. Is that somebody would want to come here and say that's my home, not where I was born, not where I was raised, but the place where I feel like I belong, mm-hmm. and that's what's so so awesome about New Orleans. She and has if that any way. of you listening, yeah, if any of you listening live in or around New Orleans or want to visit, you know, hit me up. Uh we can uh meet up and have a, a beer or something and Chris will come in sooner or later, a couple years maybe. We'll uh have a live <laughs> show or something. <laughs> so, back to the axe man. As his name implies, um he killed people with an axe. You know, I mean it's a it's a fitting name. It's a simple one. It's not like you know the Night Stalker or anything cool like that. But yeah, they didn't you know, go it's, too far. It's with got this one. a ring. It's got a ring. It wouldn't look the best on a t shirt, <laughs> but you know, maybe on like uh, you know now. like like those trashy you know you know chick underwear that it'll say on the back mm-hmm. Axe Man and and they'll just walk down the beach and I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> oh, so you know what? Now that you mentioned that too, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> that's what got you going somewhere else. Well, you know, it, it made me trail off when you said it, it wouldn't look great on a t-shirt. I, I, I had said that I still want one, and then I was thinking about mm-hmm. it. Of all the serial killers you've seen on a t-shirt, you've never seen anything from the Axe Man. But the no. funny thing is, on the uh, the one of the websites that I was doing the research for what was going on at, at that time in the world. Um, it said nothing at all about any other killers of the time. Nothing about any of that. It was mostly the war and politics stuff, and right, you, right. you know, uh, what you call it, musicals and stuff like that that were happening in in New York. Mm-hmm. However, I get all the way down to October twenty seventh of nineteen nineteen, and it says Axeman of New Orleans claims his last victim. Yes, indeed. I mean, yes, indeed, and it's true. He he's not the most well known, but people that are into true crime and things like that know of him because it it's such a crazy story. I'm gonna need so, him on a t-shirt. Like the weird, it's gonna be badass. One of the weirdest things about the Axeman is that his weapon of choice isn't really his choice weapon. Um, what he killed with now. He used an axe in almost every single attack. 
almost every single attack. But he mostly killed with a straight razor. He would slice the neck and then destroy the face and head with the axe. Oh, crap. Was he using the blunt end of the axe? Sometimes. That's brutal. sometimes. Exactly. So, uh, in most of these cases, uh, this is how we know it's the same guy, is he would get into the house by removing a panel on the back door with a chisel, but he would always leave his tools, the chisel and everything, he would leave them right where he opened the door. He would never take them with him. He would break in, drop the chisel, go inside. Almost like he wanted to be caught. Exactly. And then, uh, you know, one of the craziest things about him is that none of these murders, not a single one, was for robbery. Not one. He didn't go into these homes to murder and make himself wealthy. He went into these people's homes in the dead of night to murder, maim, and bludgeon. That's it. That's why I said he... In, in the craziest of ways, he was a hunter. Even though he broke into people's homes, I mean, he's like going into the bear cave to slay the bear. Right. <clears throat> now, but is, that's what he was doing. Is that all he did, though, was kill them? I mean, did, did he play with the bodies at all? Did he disembowel? Did he dismember? Not that or? any information... Well, I mean, he did, but just through a, a sheer act of, of violence. Oh, it, wow. It wasn't, it wasn't something he set out to do. Um, I mean... And here's a kind of weird thing with him, too, that some of these other theories come from, is that many of his victims were Italian immigrants and Italian-Americans, which Hmm. led a lot of people to think that the killings might have been mob-related or just, you know, ethnically motivated. Interesting. Uh, But there there really hasn't been an overwhelming wealth of evidence to support it. Um, uh, Some people suggest that he may have been killing specifically women, for just a sadistic pleasure alone, uh, just by the fact that his male victims seemed to only be killed when they obstructed his attempt at killing the women. Ah. <clears throat> right. So, and, and then there's the romantic hypothesis that it, it, would, it would be able to say that he was an angel of death set forth from hell, and that just sounds awesome because he had an appreciation for jazz music, and he would just go for his target no matter what. Well, it sounds like a true New Orleanian to me. I mean, what more could you possibly ask for but a jazz-loving demon from fucking hell, man? It doesn't get any more hardcore than that. Right. Oh, man. That's why you don't go down Pirate Alley after all those bars close. Holy shit. Even though there's the church right there, there's the cabildo, and there's Touchdown Jesus smiling at you, and that just makes it fucking scary. Now, now here's a a friendly hint and and word of advice to all of our listeners. Whether you live there or you don't live there, if you're not in the habit of, of leaving a bar before it closes, please do that in New Orleans. Do not close the bar down and be walking around those streets when people have gone home. Because you best believe those motherfuckers that work in that bar are not trying to hang out there and walk you to your car or none of that shit. You need to get gone. (laughs) You leave a bar late enough to be scared to leave the bar, you better walk to the nearest bar. Yeah. And go in. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's the best plan for you there. The nearest place, the strip club, whatever. Exactly. So now it's time to get into the the nitty-gritty of the story, right? It's time to get into the victims. 
because <clears throat> this is really where the story is, since we know nothing about this dude. Yes, I mean, let's. I literally just told you everything that we know about the Axeman. Huh. <clears throat> so, the only other things that I can tell you are, are his victims and how he tried to kill and killed them. So, Fine. all right. The first attack is super interesting because uh, he actually killed his first official victims with a straight razor, like I said. Now, uh, wait, now, now wait. You said he only, mm-hmm. he generally only killed the husband if he tried to obstruct his killing of the wife. So right. if, he's if killing he with was a straight killing the razor, wife and the husband woke up and went and saw him, he'd take the husband. So out. he was just if trying to kill. If the husband were kill... laying next to. Oh, wow. He was really I mean, just that, trying to kill her in her sleep without waking right. him up and just leave a dead body next to this man who is... Well, I mean, you also have to know that back then, a lot of couples didn't actually sleep next to each other. Oh. As a matter of fact, a, a lot of couples would sleep in separate rooms. No shit. Um, I did not know that. Okay. Of course, not not all. That changes but, everything. But yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, okay. but... um. But that's also still just a theory, you know. It that it could be that he went out for the women, but it could be he just killed whoever was there anyway. I'm thinking, so, how twisted would that be, man? You just wake right. up next to your dead wife, and now you got a your number one murder suspect. Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. what a terrible. Wait set of till you hear. Wait till you hear. <laughs> Let's so do it. Let's we have do it. Uh, we have we have Joe, Joseph Maggio and his wife Catherine. Uh, they were attacked on May 22nd, 1918, while they slept at their home at the corner of Upper Line and Magnolia. I have passed that corner a thousand times in my life, Upper and line. that's just crazy to know that that was there. Um, they ran a barroom kind of slash grocery store. Um, and, you know, like I said, I not only have I been there a thousand times, it's literally ten minutes from where I am right now. I can get my car and go to this house where these people, where this happened. Now, the killer made entrance into the home and then using his straight razor left deep cuts in the couple's throats with Catherine's being cut so severely that her head was nearly severed from her shoulder. Oh, so he had yes. to go almost all the way back to the spinal column. Yes. Ugh. Yes. So Joseph, Ugh. the husband, actually stayed alive until his brother Jake's his brothers Jake and Andrew discovered him, uh, which was about I guess an hour later. But he died minutes after they got there. Hmm. Um, law enforcement agents found the bloody clothes of a perpetrator as he apparently changed into clean to a clean set of clothes before fleeing the scene. An axe was used to turn their faces into concealing puddles of face meat and bits of skull. Possibly done to hide the, f- the fact that their deaths were caused by throat cutting. Uh, the police removed the bodies before they finished their search of the premises. Uh, so they found the murder weapon in the yard of the neighbor's house uh, well after. Um, wow. The razor that was used to kill, uh, it actually belonged to... Uh, Joseph's brother, Andrew, uh, he ran a barbershop on Camp Street, and uh, Andrew's employee, Esteban Torres, had told police that Andrew had removed the razor from the shop two days prior to the murder because he wanted to have a nick honed from the blade. Uh, now, when and- you do Andrew the- lived... When you mm-hmm. do the research uh, on on the Axeman, you know you can find several uh, pictures from that time and, and that were, right. you know motivated so to speak or inspired by him but one of them that i did see was uh, the 
the picture, uh, now I don't know if it was from a uh, newspaper or not, but it kind of looked like it was. That was the picture of the Crescent City that had all seven places marked on the map. Right. So it was, right, the, right. It was the map, so that was pretty cool. I right, thought. yeah, so you can you can look it up and actually see uh, what the city looked like then and where these murders took place. And, and now with you, Google Earth, you can, you can, if you're not right. from there, you can, you can zoom even in on that You can lay it over the new one, yeah. That's you can even cool. lay it over a new map and see what it looks like now, which is super freaking cool. I like it. Um, but yeah, so he, he, he took... the So the murder weapon was the dude's brother's razor from his barbershop that he just happened to take out of the shop two days before to have a nick honed. Wow. Now, that sounds super, super iffy, but Andrew actually lived uh, in, like, the apartment connected to his brothers. So, like, they had adjoining, you know, living areas. So it wouldn't be out of, you know, possibility for the killer to find this razor there. You know, it's not that crazy, although still crazy. Um, it's a little wacky. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So, Andrew, uh, he got there with his other brother uh, two hours after the murders had occurred. Uh, but he told police that he had heard strange groaning noises through the wall, but he blamed his failure to hear any noises related to the attacks on, uh, like, how early it was in the morning and how unbelievably wasted drunk he was. Because, I believe that for that time period. Because, I mean, let's face it, he was a resident of New Orleans, but he had been out the night before to celebrate his departure to join the Navy. Uh-huh. So, it, you know, it, it really does make sense. Uh, uh, it it's still, it I mean, it, you got to question that no matter what, I'm gonna, but I'm going to give him the, the big butt, you know? Um, so the police were still pretty surprised that he'd failed to hear an intruder after seeing the dude's method of breaking and entering. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Joseph's brother, Andrew, uh, called... He was the police chief's prime suspect in the murder uh, until they were completely unable to disprove his, his statements. I mean, he, everything he said was dead on, and they they let him go. Gotta let so, him go. Um, <clears throat> right, but Andrew did say that he supposedly saw an, un, an unknown man lurking near the residence just prior to the murder. Hmm. So another thing about another thing about that that murder right there is nothing was stolen. So let's just keep that in in the front of our head there is that nothing was stolen. All right. So now we're going to go on to the second attacks. The second attacks took place in the early morning hours of June 22nd, 1918 at the back of the grocery store of Lewis Bessemer, which is located at the corner of uh, Dornois, which for people that aren't super Frenchy spelling and reading like we had to be down here yeah. is spelled D-O-R-G-E-N-O-I-S and La Harp Street. Uh, so Louis Bessemer and his mistress Harriet Lowe were attacked with a hatchet belonging to Louis. Hmm. That's another theme that you'll find here is that the Axeman didn't bring tools. The Axeman found the same tool every time but he always he used to, an axe he had to have brought his his chisel though right where where the hell does everybody just have that, a chisel? I, I mean but does he buy a new chisel every time because he certainly leaves it every time i mean i suppose you could who would look funny that, on that's that? my it's big ex- exactly but the simple fact that i mean as you'll see as i go on i mean we're only in the second set of, of, of attacks here but he found the axe 
to use there every time. Every time. <laughs> every time. <laughs> that's remarkable. Exactly. I mean, I, so, I suppose that says something about the time that that you would never right. Really I mean, you you would have to have an axe for you know your fireplace and whatnot. So it makes sense that they'd be laying around. But every time, I mean, come on. Hey. So Lewis and his his mistress Harriet were attacked with a hatchet belonging to Lewis. Uh, he was struck right above his right temple, which resulted in a possible skull fracture. And his mistress was hacked over the left ear, and she was found unconscious when police arrived. Uh, the couple was actually discovered shortly after 7 a.m. on the morning of the attack by a dude named John Zanka, who was a, uh, a delivery driver of a bakery, a bakery wagon uh, who had come to the grocery store in order to make a delivery. And as a quick aside here, I personally know the son of John Zanka, who is also named John Zanka. Oh, no shit. And, yeah, until I was, uh, till I was about 10 years old, I truly, truly believed he was the very very real life Santa Claus <laughs> and uh, he was he was a good friend and a chapter brother with my grandfather uh, my mom's dad uh, in the Pearl Harbor Survivors Association so I mean like which Santa Claus would you rather believe in like your your pussy Santa Claus or my badass Navy Santa Claus that survived the attack on Pearl Harbor and had a father that discovered two victims of a brutal assault early enough to help them survive um, right <laughs> there, there's n- there, yeah so back to the story back to the story uh, Zanka, he, he found both Bessemer and Lowe in a puddle of their own blood that was just, you know, streaming from their respective hatchet wounds and heads. Um, the, hatchet, uh, the hatchet was found in the bathroom of Bessemer's apartment, and he later had stated that the, to the police that he had been sleeping when the attack happened. Uh, almost immediately, the police arrested a potential suspect named Louis Obigon. Obicon. Let me spell that out because I'm. It's names and names are weird, but O U B I C O N. Obicon. Yeah, I guess that's what that sounds but, like. Uh, right. Yeah, a 41 year old African American man who was employed in Bessemer's store just a week before the attacks, but uh, no evidence ever existed that could prove his guilt. But the police arrested him nonetheless, saying that he had offered a conflicting account of where he was on the morning of the attack. Uh, shortly after the murder attempt, uh, Bessemer's mistress stated that she had remembered being attacked by a mulatto man. <laughs> oh. You know, uh, which wow. you know, in today's more sensitive time, which I gladly live in, would probably not be a word I would use to describe a half white, half African American person. No, but, you know. people were pretty racist back in the day. Yeah. So uh, her statement was actually discounted by the police uh, just due to her being delusional at the time, you know, and, uh, you know, a hatchet to the head will probably do that most of the time. Um, So the police came to the conclusion that uh, robbery had to be the only possible reason for the attacks, but no money or valuables were removed from the home. Uh, Obi-Gon was uh, later released with a complete lack of evidence pointing to him as the attacker. Um, The media soon turned their attention to Bessemer himself as a series of letters were written that a series of letters were found in a trunk in his house that were all written in Yiddish, Russian, and German. The wow. police had suspected that he was possibly a German spy, and the government started a full investigation for espionage. The government was like, This dude has letters in German, Yiddish, and Russian. Spy, World War One. He did it, right? Wow. He did it. It was Bessmer. But no. Two days later he was released. <laughs> What? what <laughs> and uh, uh, dude, I, I, I mean, you can see that my shoulders are shrugging like crazy, but yeah, no idea. Um, uh, like, all right, let's see. So two days later, um, he was let out, 
And uh, uh, weeks later, after drifting in and out of consciousness, Harriet, the uh, the 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 uh, the the, 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 the uh, I said Harriet first, and now I want to say the harlot, and that's just wrong. That's I mean, not his, nice. his, his lover. That's not his his lover. That's not his wife. <laughs> I, I lost the word. I, it's gone from my head forever. Most we likely. don't but anyway. hate on bitches. Come on, we love bitches. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so weeks later, after drifting in and out of consciousness, right? Uh, so she tells the police that. Uh, her lover Bessemer really was a German spy. Oh shit! <laughs> so they arrested him again. <laughs> oh shit! They they let him out after two days. Then two weeks, she's like, "Oh yeah, no, he is totally." <laughs> and then they went and picked him back up. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So uh, two days later, he was released again. <laughs> what? And yeah, and uh, the lead investigators were actually demoted from the case because of their unexpected unexpected unacceptable police work oh uh, yeah um, yeah but then he was again arrested in august of 1918 after harriet who lay dying in charity hospital after a surgery stated that it was he who attacked her more than a month previously with his own hatchet and was charged with murder and ended up serving nine months in prison before being acquitted on may 1st 1919 just after a 10 minute delivery Oh. De- not delivery, deliberation. <laughs> Holy but shit. so the the jury was like, this lady's crazy. Like they didn't even sit down long enough to even talk about anything. See, They're like he didn't do it. Th- let him out. That's the problem with you know having an axe in your head is that you don't think so good after that. You know exactly. It, it's like I think she was just kind of crazy anyway. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So just a, a quick further note about Harriet is the fact that, like, a, a media circus sprang up around her because, I mean, she constantly made scandalous uh, and very often false statements yeah. uh, relating to the relating to the attacks and the character of her now ex-lover, Louis Bessemer. Uh, the Times-Picayune, which is the, the local New Orleans, like, big... Our, that's our newspaper oh, here. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it, if newspapers were a thing anymore, it still would be. <laughs> uh, the Times, uh, Picayune sensationalized her outspoken nature when they discovered that she was not Bessemer's wife, but in fact his mistress. Uh, yeah. So no one knew Fun that times. until much later. Uh, so Bessemer's legal wife arrived from Cincinnati in the days following the discovery, uh, which further inflamed the drama. Uh, Harriet Lowe further gained notoriety and media attention by repeatedly making statements about her extreme dislike of the New Orleans chief of police, as well as her reluctance to help with the investigation. She suspected it had to have been uh, Chief Mooney himself who informed the press of the scandal, despite the scandal and her insane statements suggesting Bessemer was a German spy. Harriet actually returned to the home she shared with Bessemer just weeks after the attack. One side of her face was paralyzed from the attack with a hatchet. Whoa, now. The rest of her days. One side of her fucking <gasps> brain was paralyzed. Yes. That's so insane. That was a fun one. That like I love each of these because they, they're all their own little, like, crazy story. Yeah. It's I, not just that these people got attacked by a dude with a hatchet. It's what happened after. You know, like, you that's, hear... That's the opening of the Law & Order episode. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they could each be a different episode. 
It's funny though. Exactly. You hear about these crazy stories, you know, people getting their faces shot off and and living through it, and just all these wild stories, and people live through it. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know that I would want to live through something like that. You know? Yeah, it, and and some of these people got it a little bit better than others. They were the luckiest survivors. I'll go ahead and say that now. So we have so far two deaths, and we have two assaults that they survive. Uh, <clears throat> so now, we are on the third attack. Uh, the next attack took place in the early morning of August 5th, 1918. Third uh, time's a charm. Maybe this, we can get them both this time. Uh, Buck up, team. This one's, ki- this one's kind of a bummer. <laughs> this one's kind of a bummer. So, the 28-year-old, 8-month pregnant Elmira Street residence, ah. Miss Snyder awoke to a shadowy figure standing over her who proceeded to bash her in the face repeatedly. Her scalp had been sliced open and her face was nearly unrecognizably covered in blood. She wasn't discovered until after midnight by her husband, Ed Snyder. So, he... Because he had arrived late from work. So, early morning attack. Not until after midnight was she discovered by her husband. Um, But she did... She did survive. Somehow, Holy she survived. shit. <clears throat> but listen to this. This makes it even crazier. She claims she remembered absolutely nothing of the attack, which head trauma will do that, right? Sure. But this is kind of the, the, the shining part of this story. Um, she, through great luck, had given birth to her healthy baby girl just two days after the attack. Jesus! Right. Yeah, so Miss Schneider informed the police that nothing was missing or stolen from the house aside from six or seven dollars that had been taken from her husband's wallet. What was her name? Uh, <clears throat> uh, they only referred to her as Miss Schneider. I couldn't find her first name. Weird. I, his, his, uh, or her husband's name is Ed. I wonder if I that baby that. went on to be a murderer as well, a fucking sociopath. Because that, that's like, that's like the super brew, you know? That's like... Yeah, exactly. I was born two days after the axe man in New Orleans tried to kill my mom by bashing her face in with an axe. Wow. Wow. Right. <laughs> yeah. That shit's crazy. That's so, a backstory for you. So once again, though... Nothing taken, well, except this time six or seven bucks from a wallet, which, I mean, back then, okay, that would be like 50 bucks, yeah, you know? Maybe so he, they, he took 50 bucks. fair and, a, you know, drink money and stuff. He, well, he needed money for new chisels, I guess. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> but right. Uh, n- none of the windows or doors to the apartment were forced open, and the authorities came to the conclusion that she was most likely attacked with a lamp that had been on a nearby table, but we'll get to it. An ex-convict named James Gleason was arrested shortly after Snyder was found. Gleason was later released due to a complete lack of evidence, ah. which seemed to be a running theme here. No shit. And uh, stated that when the police originally approached him, he had run away from them, and that's why they kind of picked him up. But it was because he had just been arrested so often. I'm guessing he was a black guy in the South <laughs> in 1918. Ah, uh, Jason. Um, it, Exactly. So, but the lead investigators in the attack of Miss Schneider began to finally publicly speculate that the attack was related to the previous attacks involving Bessemer and Maggio. Mm. So they're finally saying we have a serial killer here. Although I don't think the the word serial killer was, I don't think that was a moniker given. They didn't uh, coin that phrase in, yet. in the world. Exactly. Hmm. Okay. So up next we have uh, Joseph. Uh, 
His, okay, his uh, last name seems to... Okay, Romano. My uh, my note-taking is sloppy sometimes. <laughs> so we have Joseph Romano, who's an, he's an older man that lives with his two nieces, Pauline and Mary Bruno. Uh, the attack took place on August 10th, 1918. Uh, the two girls, Pauline and Mary, awoke to the sound of a commotion in the room where their uncle slept. When entering the room, they discovered that Joseph had taken a quite serious blow to his head, which had resulted in uh, two open cuts on his head. The attack was... Uh, the attacker was fleeing the scene just as they arrived and the girls were able to catch a glimpse and discern that he was dark-skinned, heavy-set man who wore a dark suit and a slouched hat, whatever the fuck that means. I don't know what a slouched hat is, but that's okay. We'll find out someday. Although Romano was seriously injured, he was able to walk to the ambulance when it arrived, but he did die two days later from severe head trauma. Wow. Um, Now you said this was August? Uh, this, yeah, August 10th. And this is victim number four? Um, let's see. One, two, three, four, five. Victim number six. This is victim six. Okay, so... Victim six, death three. Of 1818. And so that's only six months since his first victim. So he took basically one a month, huh? Yeah, and he killed three, and three survived. So right now, we're neck and neck. And really, just like you said, one a month. He's he's really on his shit. No shit. Um, so so he died, uh, you know, from from the head trauma. Um, and here's another running theme here. Uh, the home had been ransacked yet again, but nothing was stolen. What the fuck the, was he looking for? What are you going to ransack a, a home for? A, exactly, unless to make it look like a robbery. You know, that's uh, the only thing is we make it look like a robbery. We killed the dude because of the robbery. Maybe they won't get it back to me and the other ones that I did. But uh, that's the only thing I can think that's of. That's crazy, though. Are they printing in the newspaper that nothing was stolen? Because if that's that, the now case, that I don't know. That would matter. be interesting to find. Yeah, that would that would actually be really interesting to see if I if I can find some uh, some old newspaper stuff. Uh, you know, we. Like we talked about, we need to start a, uh, a Facebook group for this, and maybe if we can find some some old uh, documents like that, we can put it up there. That would be awesome for people to check out because I, I really would like to see that. But uh, and here's you know our little shining bit here: the police found a bloody axe in the backyard, discovered that a back pan- a panel on the back door had been chiseled away. Oh, the Romano the Romano murder really picked up the state of fear and paranoia in New Orleans about an axe man attack. Uh, the police started to receive an avalanche of civil, uh, civ- citizen reports claiming to have seen an axe man lurking around New Orleans neighborhoods. A few even claimed to have found axes in their backyards. Um, this dude, uh, John John D'Antonio, a retired Italian detective, made public statements where he uh, he he thought that the axe man murderer was the same one who had killed several individuals in 1911, like I said at the beginning. Right. Uh, the retired detective cited a few similarities in the way that uh, that the homicides were committed, so to him there were reasons to believe that the same individual was at fault. Um, D'Antonio had described that the killer was potentially in the... Uh, he potentially had dual personalities and that he killed without motive. Uh, this could you know not even a thing t- back then uh, who knows i mean well i guess they had to have had motives and yeah i mean i guess dual personalities i mean it's not really a thing now i mean some people believe in it but most of the 
the medical, you know, hierarchy. They really don't. They don't believe that uh, split personality disorder is a thing. That sounds it's, like some wacko doctor trying to get a, a new fucking test subject in the lab so he can yeah, bang a fucking true. spike in his frontal lobe. Right, it's most likely just schizophrenia, if this guy's on point at all, you know what I mean? He True. could be completely off. But, um, you know, he said that this type of individual could very likely have been just a normal law-abiding citizen who's often overcome by an overwhelming desire to kill. Mm. Uh, he later went on to describe the killer as the real-life Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So, that, I mean, even that kind of takes... Standard uh, view. What, yeah, even that kind of takes what I was saying about... Um, uh, you know about him being the the Jack the Ripper. Mm. It's 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 this, and in that that's what confuses me about people not really knowing who he is mm-hmm. or hearing about him before is that he was a sensation for the time. That he well, sure. he was known, and especially not just in New Orleans. I mean, his name was he was the boogeyman. Six and, and it was six scary. months. That'll do it. Right, I- I- exactly, exactly. It's so consistency that, right. that means there's no chance of stopping. I mean, the, the pattern has developed. You know. Exactly, exactly. So you ready to go on to the next one? Well, of course, because because uh, it just gets better. Hell yeah! All right, <laughs> uh, all right. Um, Charles Court, an immigrant who lived with his wife and child on the corner of Jefferson Avenue and Second Street in Gretna, mm. um, which is like we said, a New Orleans suburb right across the Mississippi. Uh, this happened in March 10th of 1919. So we're he he had a good little uh, gap there from All August the wank bang. of 18 to March of 19. Yeah, that's not yeah, bad. So maybe it's about six so months. maybe that's how long it took him to walk there. Uh, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> what it sucked. All the winter months too. Damn. Yeah, man. Oh, it never gets that cold here. Ah, so, uh, across scream, that water, screams were heard. <laughs> screams were heard coming from their residence. Um, a, a grocer that lived across the street, uh, his name is E. Orlando, which is just Orlando with an I in front of it. Uh, Giordano rushed to see what was happening. He noticed that Charles's wife and their infant daughter had all been attacked by some intruder. Oh. Uh, his, his wife, Rosie, stood in the doorway with a serious head wound holding her deceased daughter in her arms. Oh, no. Charles laid on the floor, bleeding uncontrollably. The couple was rushed to Charity Hospital, where it was found that they both had suffered skull fractures. Cross the line, again, axe, no- man. We don't do kids, yeah, and, man. It, yeah, exactly. That ain't cool. But once again, nothing was stolen from the home. But again, a back panel on the door had been chiseled away to gain entry. A bloody axe was found on the back porch of the home. Charles was released two days later, but his wife remained at Charity. When she regained full consciousness, she made claims that E. Orlando and his 18-year-old son Frank, the guy that found them, that they were the attackers. Orlando, who was a 69-year-old man in poor health, just couldn't have committed the crimes, just flat out. And then his son was more than six feet tall and over 200 pounds and would have been just much, much too large to fit through the panel on the back door. Big clunky um, mungo. Yeah. At six so, foot nine, uh, you said? Yeah. That's a fucking uh, giant yeah. at any time in the world. Yeah. But, but No, I'm sorry. I'm six foot tall. Oh, sorry. Okay, I don't know where I... Still. I, I think I was reading 69-year-old man and six foot tall all together for some reason. <laughs> I think six but, foot uh, tall is still still pretty tall for the time. You know, I don't, I don't think people yeah. were really all that tall back then. Exactly. And then the dude Charles, he, he wasn't really cool at all with what his wife was claiming that they did. Mm. But 
you know, because of her claims, the police arrested the two and charged them with murder. Fucking Margo. Uh, they, and this is the best part, is the men would be found guilty. Uh, Frank no had shit. a sentence to hang. The son had a sentence to hang. And Charles, uh, I'm sorry, uh, and and I, e. Orlando had, uh, he was sentenced to life in prison. Jesus. Uh, so, Charles, a year later, divorced his wife. Um, and that, well, well, no. Charles divorced his wife, and then a year later, the wife, Rosie, announced that she had falsely accused the two out of jealousy and spite. Wow. Her statement, her statements were the only evidence against E. Orlando, and so they were released just shortly after from jail. So How they, did she sleep he that did, night? Yeah, exactly. And this guy rushes over because he's hearing screaming, and he finds you, and he's the one that, I mean, it, really, I mean, he, he saved their lives. If he wouldn't have found them, who knows? They, they both had serious head trauma. That and, is a crazy you know, story. And for her, like I said, each one of these is their own just wow like it, it they're all snapshots into the time mm. you know it, it's some although someone you could see somebody doing that today no oh, sure absolutely oh, with sure. no problem and that's the worst part so that the next three uh they go a little quick just because it, they were quick mm. uh the, t- the 10th victim was a name man uh, man named steve boca who again was a grocer, which is kind of weird. All these, you know, Italian Americans and Italian grocers. Um, he was attacked in his bedroom by an axe wielding intruder on August tenth, nineteen nineteen. He woke during the night to find a shadowy figure looming over his bed once again. Um, once he regained consciousness, he ran out of his home to try to investigate the intrusion, but found that his head had been cracked wide open. Wow. Um, yeah. He then ran to the home of his neighbor, uh, Frank. Uh, Wanusa, I guess, uh, where he lost consciousness and collapsed. Hmm. Again, nothing had been stolen, and once again, a panel on the back door had been chiseled away. He's just uh, trying to event. make an omelet, man, yeah. you know? Indeed. Indeed, man. You gotta crack some heads to make omelets, right? That's how they work? Uh, omelets? I, not I don't so eat sure eggs. That's... I don't eat anything that comes out of butts. Oh. So anyway. I, I like, I'm a fan <laughs> of butts. I, that's why I, I don't go in the, in the ocean. Fish fucking it. Ugh. So, uh, <laughs> Boca eventually uh, recovered from his injuries, but he could never remember any details of the attack, which is something that happens with serious head trauma. So that's just not surprising at all either. Um, But this attack took place after the infamous Axeman letter, which I will read at the end of the episode, was released to uh, to the papers. So a lot of people think that the Axeman possibly didn't actually release that letter. It was... It's... It's almost, I mean, everyone will hear it, but it's almost <clears throat> intentionally too eloquently written and too theatrical to be real. But who knows? Who knows? Now, what do you think so the, the next problem one, was with, hmm? with the Italians? You know, I, I mean, I realize <laughs> that even now, New Orleans has a fairly decent Italian... Uh, Absolutely, you know. yeah. I, I almost want to say the way this dude operated... I almost want to say that was just dumb luck that they were all attacked. Huh. I mean, it's <laughs> like I mean, it, it's it's just as possible as anything else. Sure, you know sure, what I mean? sure. Uh, here's an interesting I, bit of trivia: WAP is actually an acronym that means without papers. 
So, technically, by definition, really? sure, any illegal alien is technically a WAP, not just the Italians. You learn something new and racist every day. If you didn't, <laughs> it was a boring day, my friend, you know. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> All right, so we're almost, almost, almost done. We got our second-to-last victim here. Um, the next victim uh, was attacked on the night of September 3rd, 1919. Mm-hmm. This one broke my heart. It was 19-year-old Sarah Lauman, L-A-U-M-A-N-N. She was attacked as she slept, and she suffered severe head injury due to the attack and several missing teeth. Dude just bashed her face in with an axe. Her neighbors eventually discovered her unconscious after breaking into her house when she wouldn't answer the door. So if she lived Uh, through that, he uh, to the face, he he had to have hit her with the backside of the axe. He, right. Yeah, he yeah. couldn't have. Yeah. I mean, exactly. You couldn't be catching the wedge. Nobody in, lives in the mouth a wedge and, to the and face. make it through that. Exactly. Holy shit. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, the neighbors break in, and uh, you know, the attacker had entered through an open window because it was an apartment, and had attacked with a blunt object. So it was with the back, the back of the axe, because a bloody axe was discovered on the front lawn. Uh, Sarah eventually recovered from all of her injuries but became yet another victim who wouldn't be able to recall any detail whatsoever. Wow, it's that frontal then, lobe, man. It's that frontal lobe. Right. I mean, I, that's why concussions are so goddamn serious. Yeah. I mean, that's not an a- that's not an axe to the dome, but that is your anytime your brain makes physical contact with the wall of your skull, you're in trouble. Yes, sir. And it's a serious thing, you know? Uh let's get the very last one out of the way. I mean, I don't want to say like get him out of the way cuz He's the last victim. He's he's pretty serious. Um, the twelfth and final victim, Mike Pepitone, was attacked on the night of October twenty seventh, nineteen nineteen. So just before Halloween, um, his wife had awakened from uh, from asleep to arrive at the door of his bedroom, just as a large man wielding an axe was fleeing the scene. Mike had been struck in the head and was covered in his own blood. Blood splatter covered the room. Miss Pepitone, who was the mother of Mike's six children, couldn't describe any characteristics of the killer. Mike Pepitone's murder was the last of the alleged axe man in New Orleans. And I mean, that's that's kind of it. That's pretty wild. Now, I actually know a Pepitone uh, there in New Orleans. So, so do I. It's actually uh, a, a family name that is still around here, for sure. Yeah. No shit. And, and a lot of so there's some speculation now this is kind of far off speculation but this uh detective or uh you know uh true crime author something like that claims to have found information that suggests uh that Mike Pepitone's wife murdered the axe man in California a few years after this wow that's a um, big leap huh yeah and i mean there's a little more information to it, but it makes very little sense. It's like she went dirty Harry, tracked this dude down to California and killed him, or just happened to be like, oh, hey, no, I do remember you then. Pow. Well, I mean, the and time, they just happened that, to be in. That's a, pretty hell, that's a pretty hellacious trail for a cop to follow. I yeah. mean, you're way out it, of jurisdiction. Yeah. And it, exactly. And it hell? wasn't even a cop, it was the dude's widow. You know, it was the lady that found her old man bashed in. And she just happened to kill that. So I, I kind of threw that away. I didn't even add it in here, but I just 
kind of wanted to make a real quick mention. Ah, that's interesting. And then, um, and then one more neat little thing here. Um, in 1919, a local songwriter named Joseph John uh, Davila wrote a song titled "The Mysterious Axeman." Jazz don't scare. <laughs> Wait, the mysterious Axeman jazz don't scare me, Papa. Interesting. <laughs> yes. Uh, and the the cover of this uh, cheat music uh, depicted a family playing music with frightened looks on their faces. Uh, the reason for this is an infamous letter, which we spoke about, uh, supposedly yeah. written by the Axeman, released to newspapers March 13, 1919, saying that he would kill again at 15 minutes past midnight on the night of March 19th, but would spare the occupants of any place where a jazz band was playing. Um, March 19th. That night, that night, all in New Orleans... Their dance halls and bars were filled to capacity, and professional and amateur bands played jazz at parties at hundreds of houses around town. That's amazing. There were no, there were no murders the night of March 19th, 1919. That's amazing. Which was filled with jazz. And so just real quick as a extra special little thing for everybody, <clears throat> I'm going to go ahead and read out the Axeman letter because this sounds silly and it sounds ridiculous but if you really think about it and and you you make yourself disbelieve for a minute and say an actual serial killer wrote this fucked up letter Mm -hmm. and put this out to the news and said let new orleans know it's so this becomes yeah it but it it's chilling at the same time it's almost like it's almost like uh, you know, high school drama kid wrote it. But if high school drama kid was a serial killer, I'd be scared of this letter too. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, let me get in the mood here and music. Yes, mm-hmm. loving it. All right, <clears throat> this is the Axeman's letter. Hell, March nineteenth, nineteen ninety. 1919 Esteemed mortal They've never caught me and they never will They've never seen me For I'm invisible Even as the ether that surrounds your earth I'm not a human being But a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell I'm what you Orleanians and your foolish police call The Axeman When I see fit I shall come and claim other victims I alone know who who they should be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe besmeared with the blood and brains of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I'm a reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they've conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they've been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis Yosef, etc. But... Tell them to beware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it were better that they were never born than, than to incur the wrath of the Axeman. That's a hell of a statement. I don't think, I don't think there's any need of such a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me, as they have in the past. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orleanians think of me as the most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens. For I am in close relationship with the angel of death. Now, to be exact, 
at 12.15 earthly time on next Tuesday night, I'm going to pass over New Orleans. In my infinite mercy, I'm going to make a little proposition for you people. And here it is. I'm very fond of jazz music. And I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that every person shall be spared whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time that I have just mentioned. If everyone has a jazz band going, well, then so much the better for you people. One thing is certain, and that is that some of you people who do not jazz it on Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well, as I'm cold and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus, and it's time that I leave your earthly home, I will cease my discourse, my discourse, hoping that thou wilt publish this, and that it may go well with thee. I have been, and will be, the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of fancy. The Axeman. All right. Oh, I love that thing. That I don't was, know why. It's pretty badass. I love it. But you know, the funny thing is, this time, when, when you read it, I, I pictured in my head the whole time Keegan-Michael Key doing his, uh, you know, <laughs> when, when he did that, that whole hyping up the president sort of thing yes. and in my head oh my god you know i was using all the classic 90s new orleans slang and and just hyping <laughs> you the whole time the whole time but i didn't want to interrupt oh, although it, it we'll was... have to do like a like a little special thing with that <laughs> as, as as an add-on later <laughs> um, bro. all right so so all right i that shit man that's the story of the axe man um but the funny thing what that i, I noticed about that letter too is that is that he he not only mentions hell which as we know is is biblical um you know i mean every religion or or faith or whatever has an underworld of some kind but only one a of them punishment calls zone, it, yeah. uh, two two or three i guess and they're all about the same shit but we won't go into that uh <laughs> they all call it hell except for a few and and tartarus is a whole different like country altogether where that comes from right so that, that's why i say theatrical it, it's it's well written. It's it's cool. I like it. Mm-hmm. It threw me off a little bit with the Tartarus comment. Like I, oh, okay. I hear you, but is but this back some then, sort of like nerd a... who, who's just yeah. writing a letter to the to the newspaper trying to stir up shit or or absolutely, and that has to be all it is. I mean, but it, it for the time it had to have been extremely evocative and terrifying, especially while the active killer is roaming the streets. Sure, terrifying. You read something like that. Yeah, I'd, I'd have shit my pants at that time. Now, you know? You know, now it's got me wondering, though, uh, of the time and the general knowledge, basic you know, knowledge of most people, who the fuck in New Orleans in 1819 knew anything about Greek fucking mythology? Come on. If you weren't, like, in, in like, uh, you know, sailing and trading and all that kind of shit, you will never have the chance to go to Greece. If you weren't a refugee or, or something from Greece, how the fuck would any of them know about Tartarus? Well, or an academic, I suppose. Right, but yeah, right. I, I would think that, that the layman would, would hear that and maybe just think it's a, a spooky word. Right, that, deal, that's why know? initially I said a nerd, but yeah, I mean, the, the layman at the yeah. time would hear that and go, what the fuck is that? Like, Absolutely, they would. I mean, now yeah. they knew so, Dante's levels, and they, you know that story had been out for a long time. So maybe they'd equate it to that. I, I don't know. I don't know. Continue. I'm sorry. Very, yeah. Well, no. True. 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 Um, well, I think 
how I'd like to start off by closing our our episodes here would be kind of to do uh, you know what I learned in class today kind of deal, and uh, what people will see uh, a format that we're going to be trying out here is I had the first episode, I had the first topic. So next week's episode is going to be Chris's topic. So oh, you'll be hearing oh. a lot more of his smooth ass voice and a little more of me being dumb. So all right, ladies. I I think exactly. And and what we're doing here is Chris didn't look into this. That was for me to do and for me to tell a story to him. And next week I'm I can I can slide by and not do any any research at all. So that's going to feel good. So I'm going to be asking lots of questions, but. I also hope to learn a lot from it, and so I'm gonna go ahead and say let's let's close this shit out by uh, you just you telling me what you learned. You know, like tell me tell me what you know about the Axe Man now that you didn't just from you know hearing about him here or there. Well, I learned first of all that um, an axe will just weigh you down on your escape. You know. You might as well leave Absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I, but, yeah, you're going to find one everywhere anyway. You know, you're tripping over them in the street. I mean, at the time, they didn't have any fingerprinting or anything like that, so they couldn't have tied you to it anyway. Might as well just fucking right. leave it. And in actuality, that probably helped their deduction skills you know, move up a notch or two because they can be like, you oh, know, absolutely. cross-reference. Okay, well, we got the murder weapon. We got the murder. Let's go ahead and see if this square piece fits into the square hole. And okay, now we document that. Now we know what that looks like. Uh, moving on absolutely, to the next yeah. murder victim. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the, nowadays you got to wear gloves so that you're not fingerprinted. But uh, just leave it behind, man. It's not like you could put it in your pocket. That's right. If you gotta, if you can boil down anything from this whole episode, is just leave the murder weapon. I mean, come on, who's gonna who's gonna give a shit, right? They're never gonna catch you. Just go. I mean, you're slick. You know, you got I mean, this. But for Christ's sake, steal something. You're there anyway. And I don't mean, buy your chisels from the same shop every time. I mean, right. that's just and setting yourself up for bullshit. And never use a fucking credit card, man. Come on. <laughs> well, you know, unless... And okay, I'm going I'm to give one caveat to that. I'm going to give you an, an unless. You know, sometimes you find a good deal on chisels in bulk. <laughs> Are you, you buying know, you go to Sam's. <laughs> you go to Sam's and you pick up, you know, a, a 12 set of radial tires and, you know, a 120 box of, of chisels. Oh, it, yeah, it happens. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, a... Yeah. Store these yeah, in the shed. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they have them, you know, next to the, the registers at the front. That's impulse buy shit right there, buddy. That's what it is. That's what it is. You, you know, so some tires, some chapstick, you know, some chisels of different sizes, you know, then then you got what? Uh, I mean, what else was popular at the time? Uh, the Sun newspaper <laughs> and uh, learning about who who Bat Boy was marrying that week. Oh, well, the Times Picayune, as we stated earlier. Right. You know, the the Times was a big deal. So absolutely, yeah, and find it still all is one stop shop, which is crazy. You know, that yeah. that's what a general store so, was. You can go in there and get your murder weapons, buy you a gallon of milk for fifty five fucking inflated cents. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and just wait out the war and atrocities and plagues and volcanoes. Try not to and, drown oh in a molasses God. flood. What's crazy or, is that this that terrible, 
this terrible, absolute scum human being wasn't even close to the worst thing that happened to the world those two years. Oh, no. The molasses flood took out more humans than he did. Oh, man. And screaming. <laughs> screaming in agony, too. Uh, you just... Whew. Indeed. Just real sl- like <sighs> Like getting trapped like the goddamn Jurassic Park mosquito. Yeah, man. yeah. It, tre- <laughs> you got killed by tree blood. <laughs> oh, man. That's I wonder what fair. you get That's if you mix cool. those with, with uh, asexual frog DNA. I'm guessing you'd get some... Uh, I don't know. Really slow running frogs, or they weren't asexual, were they? Because they, they could. They, they what it was was they they could uh, they could change their sexual uh, reproductive. Yeah, so they, organs. they weren't. They, yeah, so they didn't have. They they weren't devoid of sexuality. They had whatever one they needed at the time. Is that asexual though? Like, no, like no, 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 no. Asexual. Okay, is when well, you, we're going to talk about that on our sexuality podcast called <laughs> Jurassic Park. How the fuck? Well, so anyway. well, you know what? No, no. Now it makes me think, though. Maybe we should start splicing some of that frog DNA into us, and then we don't have to worry about any of the uh, the trans surgeries. They can just change it as their brains feel they should be. You know, wouldn't that be so much cheaper, so much, uh, you know, less evasive for them? And to to make that, I mean, it's already a super brave Absolutely. decision to make in the first place. And you know, exactly. Respectfully, I mean, yeah, so, it, but it, anything we could do to make their plight a little less would be wonderful for the world. Make them but, frog people. That's how you do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't want to be a frog? As if I could have one frog leg and one robot leg, I'm in heaven. That's it. That's it. That's it. Wow. So, Chris. A veritable Adonis, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. I mean, I will be. So, that, I, you know, I think that was our first episode. What'd you think? Um, I'm digging it. It was it was a wrap. I learned a lot. You know, I think the people out there learned a lot. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't I don't know how often anybody really does uh, documentaries on somebody as obscure. You know, he had such a short run and and he was never caught. So they, it kind of kind of makes the documentary even more glum than it already is with this whole open ended. We don't fucking know what yeah. happened. Absolutely, yeah. he, he's just as uh, just as much a mystery now as he was then. And, um, and there really aren't many documentaries on him out there to even find. Like, there's nothing mm-hmm. of of any decent length. Yeah, it's I, just like I've here's found. What we know. I've found very, very, very few things, and and the things that I've found weren't full length documentaries, but pieces of larger ones. Right. Um, so you know that there, there's there's some extra. Uh, info out there for people that want to look for it but I mean you got the gist of the story he's such a mystery that there's really not that much to say about him but uh, I guess what we should be saying now is uh, oh if you want to hit us up for any reason whatsoever if you liked what you heard and you want to hear more and you want to tell us about it or if you hated what you heard and you want us both to die in some kind of you know I don't know like a like a a gay tornado that rapes us to death i don't know i don't know where your mind goes i mean i wouldn't i mean i'm not judging tornadoes i'm cool with those tornadoes i mean uh, we're good we've seen anyway some shit. hit us up hit us up at we ain't our, of you. our email it is see no hear no speak no pod at gmail.com yeah and uh yeah man oh the music that 
is playing behind the letter that I read is the actual ragtime hit. The Axeman friggin' cometh, daddy don't kill me with jazz, or whatever the hell it was called. <laughs> so I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, man, I'm Jason Rambo, uh, and you are? Chris Berrios, as usual. Sometimes maybe and I'll be somebody else. Who knows how I feel at the time. Don't judge me. And you just listened to the first episode of See No, Hear No, Speak No. UFOs, conspiracies, and murder. Ah! <laughs> Indeed, that was cool.